All right. Welcome to another episode of Comic Book Squares. We just want to remind everybody about our big contest for 2023. We're going to help find a new writer in comic books. We're partnered with Dream Foundry on this. And uh, just remember, the deadline is the end of September to get your uh, stories in. So to kick the show off, my name's Shane. I'm Paul. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Let's get this show started. Welcome back, everybody, to our newest episode of Comic Book Squares. For this episode, we have one of the best, absolute best creators in comics, Liam Sharp. Liam's done work for uh, Marvel and DC. Every character from Batman to uh, Spider-Man, Spawn, Man-Thing, which is awesome. I love it. Yeah. Like the horror aspect. <laughs> uh, one of his latest projects that he did uh, for, for uh, images called Starhenge. Just a fantastic story about King Arthur, uh, Merlin, and time travel. Three pretty cool things right there. So Liam is also, uh, Liam, we've noticed you branched off into novelization. So obviously we're really happy to have you on this evening and, and, and talk about whatever you'd like to. So, you know, go ahead and tell us a little bit about Stone, uh, Starhenge, the novels, any other projects you're working on? Well, um, the novels uh, actually go back a long way. Um, I probably, I'm trying to think which year I did that in, round about 99, I guess I started writing um, the first one, God Killers. Um, and it was basically off the back of I'd done Spawn the Dark Ages and that had come to an end. And I was just struggling to get some work done. And this was an idea I'd had knocking around for a long time. And I thought, how do I want to do this? I'd sort of pitched it as a comic a few times and it hadn't got anywhere. Uh, and then I just yeah. thought, you know, how did I originally see this? Um, and it, the truth was, it, I'd always had it in my head as a novel. So I just thought, well, I'll start writing and see how I get on. This is, I've got this time mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I needed to fill it with something. Um, so I started, uh, it, it didn't get <laughs> published until 2007, I think the first edition. And then we did another in 2008. Um, and we meant to be doing another one, uh, Later this year, I've, I've written the sequel to it. It's been a long time coming. I actually finished that a long time ago, but I've kept coming back to it and writing more and more, uh, sort of making it richer and bigger and longer and more detailed. Um, and I found a, a publisher up in Portland called Roots Publishing, uh, and uh, they they loved it. So um, I'm really pleased that God Killers is coming out, the first one, Machiavarius Point and Other Tales. Uh, and this one, and actually there's going to be like a third volume of um, related short stories that I, I'd written sort of set in that same universe as well. Um, and then there's one other book called Paradise Rex Press, which was published by PS Publishing about four or five years ago. Uh, that's that's the most, that's the weirdest of the <laughs> lot. It's a, <laughs> I don't even know what you call it. It's, a, it's almost a kind of weird meta self-portrait, but... Um, and it's funny because China Mieville is one of my absolute favorite author, authors. <laughs> Me he wrote too. the afterword oh for gosh. it. Oh, he's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I met him in San Diego, actually. Um, oh, my wow. gosh. Oh, when would it be? Around about 2003. And I got in the yeah. queue and I'd got, um, I think it was the Scar. Uh, yeah. Oh. It's the last of the Bass Lag novels. I, and I'd mm -hmm. queued up um, to meet him. Uh, and sort of uh, gave him the, uh, the art book that I had at the time. It's called Sharpenings. It's one of the first ones I did. Um, and uh, and sort of shakily, he said, oh, give me your number, give me your number. I, I sort of wrote it down. And, and about two or three months later, I got this phone call. And he said, Liam? I was like, yeah. He said, it's China. I've been trying to get hold of you. You, you wrote your number so w wobbly. <laughs> But I couldn't read it. He said, I didn't know it was you. I've been a fan of your work for years. Um, <laughs> so that oh was lovely. Gosh. So he, he wrote a, he wrote an afterword for, for Paradise Rex. And um, I sort of sent it to him and said, I have no idea what this thing is. He said, how did you write this? I love it. It's completely bonkers, but I'm going to champion it. And, uh, uh, um, if China Mievel calls your novel bonkers, that says something. Right? Right? Absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh my gosh, he's a lovely boy, guy. Boy, how the time flies, though, huh? 2003, yeah. and boy, here yeah, we are crazy. 20 years later, you know? Isn't he is amazing. <laughs> I, it's funny because, uh, you know, we, Paul and I, it's, 
Uh, we've talked about Starhenge a few times. We both are reading it and just friggin' absolutely love it. It's gorgeous, first off, in the artwork. Yep. Um, and you. then the story is just so in-depth. And, and um, but one of the things I wanted to ask, and this is like just a, it's a minor thing in the book, but it stood out to me. I'm from Contra Costa County. Uh, oh, that's right. where I grew okay. up. <laughs> and so I was reading, you know, in the first issue and stuff like that, like, uh, and, you know, it talks about the mythology of Mount Diablo and all of that. And it's stuff that I heard when I was a kid. Are you, is that, uh, are you in that area? Have you are really familiar with that area or did that through your research for this book? Does that just seem like a good place to kind of centralize part of that story? No, um, we're, we live in Warlock Creek. So oh. literally out of our bedroom <laughs> yeah. window. Um, we can see Mount Diablo, um, and <laughs> it's, cow, it's, really? it's, it's half covered in snow at the minute, which is like only the second time I've seen it in, uh, in 12 right. years. Um, yeah. so it, I mean, it looks particularly, it looks a bit like a, a skiing village around here at the minute. It's good, <laughs> but yeah, well, I'll, that's, that is, that is the weirdest thing. All three of us. I lived in Contra Costa County as well. Okay. When I was on active duty with the with the U.S. Coast Guard, I was stationed uh -huh. in Alameda. Um, okay, I actually, I actually lived in Concord, not Concord. Oh, Concord. yeah, yeah, Concord. Right, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, we and, found that out. Yeah, and the next town over was Walnut. <laughs> we used to go to uh, Walnut Creek to shop all the time. Uh -huh. That's us. Yeah, yeah. we're <laughs> out um, up on Ignacio Valley Road, so completely out okay. that way towards the yeah. the the, uh, the little park there. It's it, it's a lovely part of the world. Um, yeah. But we're going back to England in uh, well a few months' time for okay. you know, just to have some family time. We've been away for twelve years, so it's uh, oh yeah, it's time. It's about time. And the kids have yeah, <laughs> the kids have fled the nest as well. So we're kind oh. of it's just the two of us banging around here, and it's like actually they, two of them went straight back to England. <laughs> it's like, oh. Okay, we, we should uh, we're going to move in with the kids. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, well. I guess it, while you're on the plane, you'll have time to write a uh, book to a Starhenge, right? What's that, like, <laughs> a twelve-hour flight? <laughs> yeah, I can never oh. work on a plane. It's weird. It's like some people do pages and all sorts, but I'm just like, no, I, I, you got to shut off sometime. It's ridiculous. Right. It's, uh, right. Uh, <laughs> but the other Find thing I was going to say. Um, with regard to why I put the uh, Mount Diablo thing in, it's like issue mm -hmm. two, we've got um, the Devil's Dyke. We used to live in Brighton. Right. So it just, when I was writing it and, and thinking about having Daryl and, and, and uh, Amber and Brit, sort of tying the Brit thing together with the American mm -hmm. thing and a little bit of our experience there. Um, yeah. It just seemed like a nice... You know, just the fact that there's the Devil's Diet and then Mount Diablo, the the, the, the the Mount of the Devil, it just seemed like I had to make some sort of comment. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I just looked, I, I just looked it up, and and uh, yeah, it's not, it's nice though. It's nice. It'll be nice for us too to have that little memory of of being around this area. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous yeah. part of the world. It really yeah. is. All right, all right, so are are you leaving? Are you leaving like uh, abandoning it, or are you just? Uh leaving to go go back to England for a little while, come back or Um honestly right now I don't know. We're citizens yeah. so we are able to come back. Um okay. it, it's uh it, it's it's really to do with like, you know, family does have an expiration date that all, all of it and the, the, we're all getting True. up there a little bit. <laughs> you know. True. It's uh so Chris's mom, my wife's mom, she she moved into our house in Derby. She's just got another. She's just bought a house around the corner. So we're moving back into our old house, and we've got both wow. sets of parents in the same t same city for the first time ever. Um, sure. And two of our kids there. The other one's in Arizona. So we'll definitely be coming back because we're not going to abandon him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously my, my work's all here and the conventions are here and uh, it, there'll be plenty of opportunity to get back. And we've been here for 12 years, you know, we feel very settled. We've got an awful lot of friends here um, yeah, yeah. that we care an awful lot about. And, and they've, they've made it very clear. <laughs> that we will be coming back and staying with them. So <laughs> yeah, right. they've already cleared out rooms for us. <laughs> yeah, right. So sure. It's good. Sure. You got the orders to come on back. Yeah. Right. yeah. 
You know what? Oh, uh, what and you know, uh, and going back to your work, I think what's uh, what's you know, we've we've spoken to to plenty of creators um, from all really all around the world. Ben will tell you. I mean, we've talked to people in uh, I think Syria, yeah, Egypt, right. uh, wow, Israel, and and you know, and it. I mean, you can do this. You can do this job almost anywhere. You know, we, yeah. we've spoken to Mike Mike Diodato Jr. Um, yeah. You know, and he's worked for all the you know the big companies. Done a lot of great work, and um, you know he's. I, I didn't know he was actually uh, he was actually in Brazil. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't either. I I thought he was in the states, and he called and he said, "Oh yeah, it's I'm maybe a couple hours ahead of you or whatever it was." And we're like, "Oh, you're in Brazil! Holy cow! <laughs> we knew he was from there, but but he uh-huh. uh, he said he he has it's been years since he sat in the same room." as the writer or one of the other creators he just does his work and everything gets you know digitally you know transplant you know transferred um which i thought was pretty it's cool but I, i'm i'm sure you know he, he made it sound like he he kind of longed to you know kick around with somebody as well it, it's um i mean it's just how it is it's how it's always been really um right. and it's interesting when the you know the pandemic hit and and all the editors suddenly found themselves at home you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, we can still do this. It still works. Right. You know, uh, my friend Ben Abernathy at DC, he he said, you know, we sort of switched off, moved our stuff, turned it all back on two days later, and mm-hmm. everything just worked. And I'm like, well, of course, you know, most of comics is, <laughs> is is created by people who do that all the time. That's what we do. Right? You know, it all works. You know. We manage it, so why the hell shouldn't you you be able to? Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, the, the, the only problem was the dang comic shops. You know, they were afraid of people coming in, and you know, you had yeah. to, you had to schedule a time to pick up yeah. your comics, and yeah. you couldn't have more than three people. I'm like, the store is huge; you can surely fit more than three. Oh, it's only three people. I, you know, if you're not there at four fifteen. You're not getting your stuff. You know. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> I mean, of. of I was lucky because it didn't really affect me in that sense, you know, work-wise and everything. And I think, you know, but we were all extremely worried about what was going to happen with the shops and whether they were going to survive it and what was going to happen with the distribution and all of those things were were a big deal and, um, oh, very serious worry. Um, Sure. So, you know, and and it has affected some people, clearly. So I I don't take, um, you know, I feel blessed and I feel lucky and I feel... um, you know, there, but for the grace of whatever entities there might yeah, be in sure. the universe, right. you know, go, right. go I. <laughs> Merlin, I mean, you yeah. know, and and uh, and swinging back to that, I mean, uh, that, so that you know, Star Starhenge just recently ended, and uh, well, I tell you, I really like the way you wound everything up. I mean, it was no mm-hmm. no issue was a disappointment. Every issue, I, that the only problem I had, and De- and Ben and I talked about it was. That was one of the few comics I would read, bag and board, and leave on my nightstand because when the next one came out, I had to go back and read and, and have that connection. There's no way 30 days between I'm going to remember what the hell happened. I really, <laughs> so, you know, I really, I mean, yeah, that was fantastic. To, to be fair, you know, I don't think I ever really conceived it as 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 separate books. I think mm-hmm. I've, I've, yep. the, the hardback, the, the collected edition runs through with no break. There's no yeah. cover breaks. The covers are all at the end. Um, it's one big solid read. Uh, okay. And I think I always intended it to be that because it, it you know, and it, cause I jumped around with the, the page count too. It's um, which was kind of liberating, you know, there was, little, yeah. there was some issues where I was like, mm, there's not kind of enough, information here i need to ground it a little bit so the bit where it introduces the uh everything that's happening in the the fifth century and the 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 precursors to arthur and everything those characters uh and the the tribes and the the the, the whole battle with the saxons and everything it was like i think we need a map i think i need to to put a double page (laughs) spread in and it was nice to be able to sort of throw that in and it, yeah. it, that was really to the bone. I sort of said to him, have I got time? I, I think this needs uh, just a little bit more, you know, grounding. Um, and they've, they've just been great, you know, really. Awesome. I loved that aspect of it, of being just a little bit more flexible than usual with uh, with all of those kinds of aspects of the storytelling, to be able to do like a 30-page first issue and, you know, yeah. just have fun with it, just have fun with it. So, yeah, yeah I... I, I I totally loved doing that book. It's been a long time coming. 
I, I, I mean, I, I would say Ben and I on feel that, lucky. Oh, oh. Yeah, Ben and I feel lucky that we found it. I mean, I, I picked it up. I, I mean, obviously, your you know your name was on it, but the cover jumped out of number one, and I'm I'm like, okay, this is this is weird, but I gotta have it. You know, yes. so <laughs> go ahead. Ben. Yeah. No, I, I had a, um I had a question about that because you were talking about you know yeah. the the liberation of like being able to do the different page counts and all this, but then. Um, you know, I, we follow you on social, obviously, and I saw your discussions about like the, the, the problems now, at least nowadays of the issue to issue releases and maintaining, you know, like reader numbers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like when you move to, uh, to book two, are you looking to maybe go full, like do the full thing in one, uh, release? Or are you still looking to do like issues? I, I, don't, think... know, I don't know if that affected your, your decisions yeah. on that at all. It's definitely, um, I've learned so much doing it. I mean, there is an issue with things being a little bit opaque sometimes. Um, you know, there's not, we're all sort of feeling our way and the things that have success, there's not always like um, a bulletproof reason why, you know, some, some things yeah. find, a re, find an audience despite themselves. Uh, other things probably should have more of an audience and don't have. Um, and, you know, e even down to the marketing side, how you go about it, because, you know, we're busy and yeah. it's, it's like, okay, well you need, you know, I heard people throwing around ridiculous sums that you'd need for a marketeer to be able to, to, to really help push it. And I'm like, I can't afford a marketeer. It's like, right. on, yeah. I'm a dad. I got kids at college. And it's like, no, it's like. There's, there's a, and I live in California like an idiot. <laughs> um, but you got a so great view out the window. So. Yeah, that's true. That counts. But, but it's, uh, yeah, there's, I learned a lot doing it. And one of, one of the things that came up was, or, or became apparent, one of the things that, that was, came out of the discussion was, with independence now, because there's an awful lot, in, we have, we're in a healthy place in terms of like sheer quantity of material and people being able to put books out. The hardest mm -hmm. thing is getting decent numbers on them uh, or, or, or being able to afford to do them. Uh, and, you know, right. the Kickstarter that I did funded it basically. And that, that paid for me to not have any income for a year so I could do the book. Um, which is hard for people That's to it. sort of re get that, wrap their heads around that. Yeah. <laughs> when you do something as, as big as that, you're going to be literally working eight, nine months with no income. Um, uh, and that is, you, you can't go, I mean, I'm working and I'm doing it. So, so I can't go on social security or anything like that. You know, I can't <laughs> right. claim that I haven't got to work. I'm, I'm working. I have a contract, right. but I haven't got any money coming in. Um, so those sides of it are, are kind of a big deal. And what, what I found out was that now with the number of independent books coming out, a, a lot of people not only wait for the trade, so they'll buy, buy the first issue to get a taste and then they go, I'm going right. to get the trade. Um, uh. And and I know some people get really sort of down on the, the trade waiters, but for me, it's like they're still buying the book. So you got to, mm -hmm. you got to appreciate it. You know, that, that it's, I love the books too. I, the more and more you, again, it's like the older you get and the more you get. After a while, it's like, yeah, the book makes sense. I stick it on the yeah, shelf right, and it's, right. it's, a, it's a collection. But, yeah. but what, what trade waiters are now doing is like one book isn't enough. I need three volumes before I'll commit to this. So yeah. you, you've kind of got this weird long tail thing where I need to do three volumes to really have a sense of whether Starhenge is then going to have a like a, a big long um, future, mm. you know, um, because yeah. I did find doing it that it offered way more possibilities than, than that perhaps I expected. I, pl I planned um, four books originally with, with the whole sort of big arc over the whole thing. And then as I got going with it, there was more and more I was interested in. So I, I really liked Daryl's story, you know, yeah. The more yeah. the more Daryl became his own thing, I was like, actually, this guy's Cushim Sal. He's he's like, yeah. and that's that. Even that name <laughs> is that. I was like, what's the? I, I did some research. Like, what was the first name anywhere in the world recorded name? And it's Cushim. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I used him. He's gone that far back. Um, and it's just a really cool name too. It's got a kind of Gilgamesh kind of quality to it. So I love this idea that you could do, you know, I've got a bit of a fantasy about doing like a giant treasury size old school with the, you know, with the dot matrix kind of patterns all over it. Um, (laughs) almost like a Conan Daryl backstory that would just go with it. But you know, again, these are all things you get excited and fantasize about. Whether whether I'll manage to get around to it, because unfortunately, I'm a li- well. Fortunately, I'm not going to complain. I'm a little bit busy, <laughs> so. right? Double-edged sword. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, and I was going to uh, Ben kind of mentioned it a, a little earlier, and, and you mentioned it too. But you know, the creator-controlled work, and obviously, you know, everybody we, we talk about this uh, with with a lot of creators. Everybody wants to do Spider-Man. They want to do Wolverine. They want to do, you know, but after you've cut your teeth and, and you've, you've kind of, you know, you've kind of felt your way and, and you've been able to, uh, you know, to network and, and, and you've got some ideas. Now you can start to do, you know, you, 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 have, you have enough confidence in what you can do to right. uh, do what you've done. And uh, we, we tell the, uh, a lot of the independent creators that are just trying to break in, you, d- you don't need to do to work for the big two anymore it used to be i think you you ha- almost had to go through them you know the 60s the 70s and 80s um you know who 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 even thought about an independent you know and then you know those guys broke away in the 90s right you know todd and the rest of them and uh you know and all of a sudden you know they're a force and uh, yep. and it's great but they allow you guys such freedom and uh i mean and, and you just mentioned it, you've got all these possibilities. And when you were talking about it, it made me think of what George Lucas said about Star Wars. I have all nine stories in my head. I can only afford to do one. And if they're crazy <laughs> enough to pay me, and it makes a little bit of money. Maybe I'll make another one. And it was just kind of like, before you knew it, now here it is, 45 years later, we've got all nine movies. Like them, love them, hate them, throw whatever. I'll, as long as they keep making them, I'll keep going to see them, you know? And, right. Uh, that's kind of, and that's kind of how I feel about what you've done with Starhenge. I mean, I was hooked from from book from the first issue. So, uh, you know, and I know again, you know, I, I know, um, you know, not to put any pressure on you, but you got two guys right here that'll buy the next six issues um, oh, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Like with the this. Oh, sorry, Liam. Go ahead. Oh no, it's just uh, you asked about the formats. Um, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it down to. Uh, Possibly three, maybe thirty page issues or four twenty page issues rather than doing six. Uh, but I'm already doing I've already done most of actually probably eighty percent of um a standalone graphic novella that links it's like in the future it's called or so it's like what happens to the Ur Queen um afterwards after she's sort of cast herself out into the across the universe as da- as data or data. I never know that. I get mixed up now with the English to American <laughs> terms. I can't, I can't remember which is which. Um, Man, schedule, I, still, schedule. I say both too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Potato, I get made potato. fun of at home all the time because I'm pronouncing things different ways and my family doesn't know. <laughs> like, where do you live? <laughs> California and Phoenix. That's <laughs> right. That'll do it. So, yeah, it's. Um, so I, I, I think that one's – we're looking at maybe November for that one. So we wanted to give the trade a little bit of time to, to see how that does. Uh, the, I, I, I got a copy of, of the collected edition. that I did like a special just 300 version thing with a uh, creator special like wraparound. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I should get it. Shall I get it? It's only over there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd love yeah. to see it. Might be the first time anyone's seen it. So that's the mm. holy cow! Beautiful. It's really, we've done a lovely job on it. Oh, oh wow. my gosh! Dude, and I, it's, I'm uh, liking the look of that. Wow! They've they've done it. It's gorgeous. It's like all with the. It's got just there's some little neat little details which once you start being yeah. a bit of a publisher nerd you appreciate like the <laughs> you know the little yeah and as the the. The actual cover itself, which will be the one that's the general one that's in the shops. Oh right, is yeah, is is this one? But it's got this Without gorgeous bit cover. of. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got this. Can you see the spot of varnish on there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
and it just highlights. I like that. Oh. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> As you turn yeah. it there. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Can we pick that up? That's fantastic. So I'm very happy with it, and it's got it's got a well, it's got a cover gallery, but it's got an early early script. Oh wow! Look back. at that. And then the whole the whole thing all the way through. <laughs> Boy, so it's, it's a bit cut. of a beast. Yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the it's the Snyder cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, can we? I mean, pick I mean you know. I, you know, years and years ago, you know, you, you we're, we're all close and close to the same age. Um, you know, that the, the, it, it was actually kind of cool, you know, in the 70s to read like the last page of Stan's soapbox. And, you know, he would like be talking to the fans. You know, that was fun. I liked that. I even as a kid, yeah. I was reading that. I was like, oh, Stan's awesome. Let me see what he's got to say this this month. You know, <laughs> and so so I mean, the fact that it's evolved to this and you see that more in the independent books, you don't really I, Marvel in D.C., Rarely you might get one page of, hey, here was this kind of a thing. But one thing that I really like, what what, what that makes me think of is there's two books that jump out. <clears throat> one is uh, uh, Walt Simonson did a Ragnarok version, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like his own version of, of Ragnarok. And uh, it, it was six issues. Actually, he did a second one, a second series of it too, but it's fantastic. It's completely, you know, he wrote the script, drew it, inked it colored it just about everything he had a, he had a few other folks in there yeah. too but but he really drove it um but at the end of each issue there were several pages of rough cuts of previous panels like two or three panels in a row maybe an alternate cover or two that he just decided not to go with and then there was another book and it was one of the ones we talked about early on and i mentioned it to uh to ben and the rest of the guys was mm-hmm. uh department of truth that james tinian and martin simmons are doing right now right and uh, they did the same thing at the end. You know, there was always like there was a, a little something kind of to tie you to the next issue. And in the middle, there would be these, as you say, like these splash pages of a map or of a script of a diary. And you're like, yeah. why, why would I read two full comic pages of just like a diary? Like, how is that even? And then you read it. and You're like, that's why I needed to read that. <laughs> <laughs> it really ties the room together like that rug, you know, <laughs> there's um. Did you see the decorum collected edition as well? That was like pretty so amazing. So I got the, the first six issues. I didn't see the collected edition, but I did get decorum. I mean, I, I remember it saying uh, an assassin with good manner, good manners, and a ton of knives. And I was like, "Hey, I gotta get that." <laughs> I love that book, but it's got you know, it's got maps and it's got crazy world building and dream diaries yes. and all sorts of creative yes. stuff in there and the other one jh williams is echo land with the like he's got like the collected edition has got um his playlist of the whole process which is like really, really oh, going yeah. above and beyond <laughs> i love that ram v um who's uh yeah. he's working Radio. over at dc now and stuff he's great he always i love when he's always like uh, sharing his playlists too yeah right. that go along with his uh stories it's, it's his, fun to yeah, like no, get into the no one wants to know my uh my my 50, <laughs> no. 50 plus year old progressive rock play, playlist <laughs> well you know. i saw your your rush name drop in there too so in the, in the series i was like oh man i was I was trying to find my Rush concert shirt to wear for this interview just to see if I could impress you, you know. <laughs> Excellent. No, oh, yeah, that's great I, stuff. I go deep with Gentle Giant and all sorts of crazy, forgotten, progressive rock. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's interesting, though. I, I, there's quite, I, I talked to S. Ed Ribbick about this once, and it, like he's, his whole house is a sound system, and he plays drums too. And he's, he was, the first time I met him, he was talking about how much he's into music and everything. And I, I said, look, hang on. It's, it's, if you've got a sound system like that, it's two things. You're either into prog or you're into jazz. But I <laughs> bet you're a prog guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely the prog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of that stuff. It, it's funny, too, it, because I can't, I can't listen to the radio today. I just uh, – everything, everything on my iPhone is – 60s 70s 80s 90s and there's some new stuff but it's guys that were making music back then that have managed to hang on thank god (laughs) right (laughs) well i think the thing is as well actually i've I've worked it out that i I, i'm pretty sure that's the reason so many of us listen to that kind of long-form music is literally because if you're trying to play pop you're in and out too fast you can't concentrate you need something that's like well take you on a journey and uh, provide a sort of background ambience for the, for the process. 
yeah. and that that work just does it. You know? mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. But I, it's not. You know, I will. I will give some modern. I, I say that I'm talking about Mars Volta, like it's just come out, and that's getting on for twenty years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say that. It's been twenty too many Christmas. I know. Well, somewhere like it, you know, maybe fifteen, getting close. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, man. I know. It's it was, terrifying. Well, speaking of the the process, you know, there's so much world building, so much like in depth in this in um the this these book one of Starhenge. Um, how long had you been like percolating this? Was it a long time, like notes and research and all that, or is this something that you've just sat down and it was just pouring forth. Well, I, I kind of, I've always wanted to do something with mythology. Um, when I was at school, we used to have a subject called, it was called classical civilizations, um, at the school I was at. And basically it was always, it was like mythology and the birth of theater and the birth of democracy and the birth of, of, you know, um, legends and all sorts of stuff, but it was mostly, mostly Greek and Roman. And uh, and I did that for five years up until 18, which is A-levels in England. Um, it was like an opt-in subject, and I, I really loved it. But there was a point along the way where I thought, why am I just learning about um, the Greek and Roman stuff? I don't know anything about, uh, like, really old English, uh, the her- our own heritage, you know, the the Celtic stuff and the the Welsh yeah. and the Irish stuff. And I started sort of digging into all of that. And, and it's obviously the first thing you start thinking then is like, okay, so the, the, the most obvious one that we, that everyone knows is the Arthurian stuff. So what, what is the background there? And then you find out that really everyone just has, has, uh, taken the, the, um, the Thomas Mallory version, uh, the, the, the chivalric one. Um, yeah. And nobody really knows anything about Mallory at all. Uh, and actually, it comes from much further back than that. Um, uh, and then it comes back to sort of 5th century and 4th century and the end of the Roman occupation and all of that period. And you start you, you start sort of digging into it. And it's it, it's just really, really fascinating. So it was really a, a, yeah. an interest in that. Uh, and I, I had always wanted to do something like it. And... When I was first really getting into it, I, I was reading 2000 AD and Pat Mills was doing Slaunia or Slain. Um, and it was like, damn it, that's, that's the book I want to do. Okay, I'm going to have to rethink it. Um, you know, and, and Simon Bisley was doing that astonishing stuff. And Glenn Faber did some beautiful work in that book as well. Um, I mean, just there's so much great work in that and that was that was like okay how how can i do a, something that's based in that sort of celtic tradition but make it fresh so i sort of kept it at the back of my head for a long time started looking more at the the welsh and the irish stuff um the silver ha- the silver arm was a book by jim fitzpatrick who is very well known in ireland he did sort of the, the thin lizzy album covers in the early days but he also wow. most famously <laughs> did the the che guevara picture that everyone knows that students had on their wall yeah that was oh, yeah. Fitzpatrick. Oh, the, just that headshot <laughs> the black and white one yeah of course funnily enough um <laughs> so i had his his books and he they were basically um book of kings and he, he had a few illustrated uh, uh books of of these old irish myths and that really inspired my uh, brave and the bold series that i did with batman and wonder woman and that yeah. was really the first time that i was able to do a story that that kind of played totally into that love of that material the first version of canunas that i i got to do um and I, actually starhenge was initially a a pitch at DC and each one was going to um, like the first one was going to have a swamp, a man, a swamp thing in it. Second one was going to be Thomas Mallory who, uh, as Batman. Oh, wow. <laughs> it would have been really weird and it would have jumped yeah. through time ending in the fourth book on Mars with, with a Superman. Uh, and Doctor Manhattan looking at a picture. Yeah, <laughs> and it was all quite worked out. You know, those four, the four books. Um, it was would have been a, a 
a uh, black label, of course, and each. Right. And the idea was that each story arc was about three issues of forty pages each, and then would be um, four, four, four books. So altogether, it'd be twelve. Um, but sadly, that that wasn't to be. And then I thought, you know, that's probably for the best anyway, because um, in a way, by tying it sort of into the the DCU, um, it took away from the characters sort of having their own agency and being important in their own right, you know? Yeah. So then what, what I really had was like the, the basis of the story. And I just thought, sorry, I'm just going to do it with image. And I approached them and, and they were very, very <laughs> cool about it and just jumped on it uh, um, immediately, which was, which was fantastic. I was really thrilled. I was so nervous when I phoned up Eric and, and pitch because yeah. it just seems you try pitching that story it's, it's not it's not easy so there's, there's robots and there's king arthur and um, oh my gosh it, it was complex anyway he jumped on it yeah. thankfully uh you know uh, and it's it just then it was a case of okay does it work without the DC element. So I really had to sort of rethink it. And then the other, the other thing was that it was very um, sort of a bit ponderous, really a bit too self-serious. Um, I, I loved the idea of doing something that was really about the Arthurian stuff, especially the Jeffrey Monmouth, the century stuff, mm -hmm. uh, which is what the period that he's talking about in the history of the Kings mm -hmm. of uh, Britain and everything, um, which is a bonkers and really interesting read. Um, yeah, you've read, you've read the, you've read it now, but that all that yeah. stuff about Arthur going to Europe and just cutting swathes through all the Romans and right. getting to right. the Alps and then <laughs> planning to go over the Alps. Yeah. It's like, this is insane. Right. I, I, yeah. Was, yeah. He, I want to see that Arthur. I, right. That was fantastic. I mean, yeah, that was, that was a version that, you know, and you know, mo most of the Arthur stuff comes in. Uh, just, you know, prose, novelization. Um, but, you know, you had him as a featured yeah. character. He had, you know, he had a personality. You know, Merlin obviously was a strong character. And I agree with you. Say, I, you know, if, if you drop Batman in there or you drop, you know, Wonder Woman in there or something or Man Thing or Swamp Thing, whoever, something. Uh, <laughs> we talked about Man Thing earlier. Something. Um, I, you know, I, I think, I think they no longer, you know, Daryl and, and Amber, they never, they, they no longer are the heroes of their own story. Right. Um, you know, and I think, I think, uh, I think the story is fantastic as is. Um, I think, I, I mean, I think what, what would happen is if, if you drop Batman in there, people are going to go, I wonder when Batman's coming back. Is it three pages from right. now? You know, and yeah. I, and this way the story propels itself. It, it was, um, it was sort of a, a, a funny one because I, I, I basically agreed it with Eric and then came down to write it. And I was like, okay, I'm lo I've lost all of that, that bit of agency. And I put quite a bit of time thinking about it. Uh, and then I went back to the very early version that, that you see the script for that I wrote 10 years ago for made fire. It was meant to be a motion book for our a motion app thing. Um, that I, so I co-founded a, a, a storytelling company. Oh, wow. uh, digital storytelling company, which is what got me to America in the first place. And it was a, it was a pretty amazing app and quite ahead of its time, but it, it, uh, it didn't, didn't quite land with enough force. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's been tricky in that, in that space. Anyway, um, yeah. don't want to get too bogged down with that, but the idea with that one was <laughs> that I would do something that was very, very, uh, much an illustrated version of the Jeffrey Monmouth version, quite straight, quite straight. Um, quite academic, but but drawn in a way that um, was bombastic. So I, in my head, I had this idea of like you do a totally kind of straight academic take on this book, but you get Simon Bisley to draw it. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's like yeah. it's like it's kind of got a, an in for for people who are just gonna you know like a bit of blood and thunder and all of that kind of thing, but <laughs> but it's still going to be satisfying for people who are who were sort of deeply invested in the actual source material. Um, so I started doing that and then it's just like, no one's going to read this thing. 
It's, <laughs> it's going to be Poor the guy. most. Like, oh my god, you're going to be waiting, you know. And I did put obviously a few bits of the text in there, and I I personally love it because I'm invested, and it's like years and years of interest in it. But it's yeah. not something you sit down and read for 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 fun, you know. Unless you, it's not casual. It's not casual. right. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's not. It's not the Super Friends, you know, on a Saturday morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why I said I, I leaked the previous issue out, and until I got to all six, I'm like, okay, now put these suckers away in the box. But you know, <laughs> I, but it stayed with us. You know, you know, and it, I, I want to touch on something real quick. You know, you talk about the creation part of it. Was there ever a time that you uh, thought there might be somebody else to either help with the writing or draw it, or were you going to? Was your intention to write and draw and take care of all of the creation for the most part? You know, I know there was obviously some other folks involved, but. Well, um, like I say, originally, uh, we really did look at, uh, at thinking about Simon doing it. That's 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that version, we never ended up doing a version for Made Fire. So um, I, I kept kept it in the back of my head there are bits in that script that you see in the back of the collection collected edition that that almost comes over f- untouched you know it's pretty much the same like going the bit where um uther goes to to ireland or uh, hibernia and um and all the stuff of the stones that that was all kind of that was all kind of written in those early scripts mm-hmm. um but actually it was, it was, I started, when I started panicking and thinking <laughs> no one's going to read this and this is going to be really ponderous and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a nightmare and I'm boring myself reading this. Um, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, who, who's going to be the narrator? Cause initially it was, it was, it was Merlin himself. Um, hmm. the problem with hmm. Merlin doing it was he's, uh, I really like hard sci-fi and that kind of yeah. psycho babble tech babble stuff. <laughs> um, and I, I wanted Notice. him to sort of be, you know, so on the one end you had, you had a version with Merlin telling the story and then that just got too like complex and too hard sci-fi and yeah. too ponderous that way. And then I thought, okay, what about if I make Taliesin? tell the story and then you make Taliesin and the old um, Welsh bard and, and you give it that sort of old school, you know, with all the names of the places and the, all the, the double D's and the double L's and the Welsh sort of vernacular and language <laughs> and spelling and everything. And all of a sudden, again, that gets incredibly dense and, and ponderous. And, and also there's a problem there about how does he translate the, the, the stuff that's in the future that he's hearing from, from right. from Merlin in 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 a in a believable way, you know, uh, so that was a problem, and I did get a little bit stuck, and it was really down to my good friend um, Nick Abadzis, uh, who, who uh, he, he's a, he used to be an editor back at Marvel UK back in the day, but he he's done some Hugo Tate is a beautiful thing that he wrote, uh, and he obviously got the uh, the the. Uh, Eisner for his Leica um, graphic novel as well. So he's oh, yeah. he, he's a he's a great um, great guy, a really good friend from who I go but way back with. Um, and I sent it to him, and it was a combination of him and my wife Christina, who both sort of said, "Stop relying on on uh, Jeffrey of Monmouth. You know, you're a storyteller in your own right. Uh, trust yourself. Yep. Put some of you in there." Um, bring some of your own, you know, and actually very quickly, Amber sort of sprung out of nowhere and just, that was the whole problem solved. I sort of realized that what you, what you have with Merlin as a character, a bit like, um, Doctor Who or a bit like Gandalf, um, you need the companions. Yeah. Their, Their story doesn't work without the companions. Um, so that became that became sort of it you know that became the solution and she just it this happened to me in god killers too there's a character called jerry longhorn who i hit a wall and i couldn't i i didn't know where to go and she just sprung in my head 
and I couldn't write fast enough to tell her story. And suddenly she's in the story and I got to the end of it and it wouldn't have worked without her. So it's the, the power of the subconscious to, to sort of come up with solutions. And, uh, uh, and Amber was the solution. And then the weird thing, you know, there's, there's, there's strange things that happen that are, are sort of delightful. Like it seems like I really thought about her name, Amber. Uh, And then as I was doing it, it's like, oh, no, of course, Amber traps, you know, Amber traps beetles and captures things in time. It's like, that's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And I hadn't even thought of it. And I must have done on some level. It must have been there on some level. So I I, I really... um, I, I really love that. that. You know, when people talk about this whole idea, and I don't believe it personally, but this sense that it feels like you're channeling the idea from somewhere else, like you're not really the writer, you're the you're the you're the conduit. conduit. The, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and things like that. It kind of you can go, yeah, I can see why people would think it because there are times <laughs> when you're just like, no, I'm not smart enough to figure this stuff out. So it's got to be somebody else. Subconsciously, I'm a genius. Somebody else. You know, it's got to be subconsciously, right? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Uh, well, right. hey, Liam, we really appreciate you jumping on um, and doing that interview with us uh, and talking all things Starhenge. As, as Paul said, we, we're super fans of the book, so we can't wait for uh, – well, the next uh, – can you tell us again when the next uh, – the one shot you said is coming out? Yeah, I think we're hoping for uh, November for that. Um I'm, I'm, that okay. one is a real. That one is like a, a stars my destination style graphic novel. It, it, it is novel. It's it's. I've written it long form, so it's, okay. it's not. It's as much illustrated book as it is comic. And I think all of Starhenge is a bit like that. You know, I I I, I know some people don't like the big, um, text blocks and everything. Personally, I like it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah, taste. I too. miss those things. You know, that, that Howard Chaykin stars my destination, Alfred Bester book. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's like, it's just incredible. Yeah. And I miss things like that. So I, I wanted to try um, something in that vein that was mixing the two and making a bit of a hybrid of an illustrated book, illust- uh, graphic novel, comic uh, novel, yeah. uh, and just see how, it, see if I could make it uh, work. Uh, so that one is. It's it's going to be at the moment. It's it's looking like it'll be sort of fifty, sixty pages. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, standalone. Um, but yeah, that, that 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 I've got sort of a plan at the moment that I'll keep doing that. So between each series, I'll do a standalone set in the future, and then focus this the the series on the on the past. Um, oh, I have yeah. the, I have the next series plotted out. And interestingly, too, like I was saying, I'm now in this world. And it's like it's just fun to play, in, and it's just gone off on a whole different tangent as well. I don't know how long this is going to go on for because it's not what I planned <laughs> at all. That's okay, right? I, I, again, you know, we're 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 glad you're doing it. I mean, uh, you know, I I, I you know, we we're never glad you're the we, conduit. Yeah, right. Thank you for being the conduit. We appreciate. It. We're going to get T-shirts that say that I'm the conduit. But I mean, it's, I, you know, uh, I, we, we, we appreciate what creators are trying to bring. Right. And you, you never know, you, you, you put as much as you do into it and you hope it finds an audience. It's regretful if it doesn't find the audience, as you said, that, that it should, because this, I think this deserves a really wide audience. So that's why we've, we've talked it up. We've, you know, we've promoted it where we could. And again, we're, we're, we're big fans, Ben and I, um, and, uh, you know, we, we hung on every issue. So thanks for the work you did there. It's fantastic. And I mean, obviously, you know, you've got a, an entire, you know, uh, career's worth of work, but I think this is kind of a, not, not to say that this is maybe the pinnacle, but I think this is one of, one of the finest works. And, uh, and I think that's because it was creator owned. You were able to do what you want, the way you wanted it. And it, you know, so it's a labor of love, you know, you don't have to fit inside a framework. The framework is whatever you want it to be. And I think I think yeah. there's a lot to be said for that to have that creative freedom. Um, so so like you said, um, you know I, I know you're grateful for it, but we're grateful as consumers of that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you. Yeah. It, it, yeah, you bet. I, I, I there were I mean there was times I just thought you know for my first image book, 
you know, maybe the sensible thing is to try and do your most commercial thing ever. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this, what am I? I again, that, that word keeps popping in my head. I'm right. some kind of idiot <laughs> putting that book out. You know? but, yeah. but you have to do, you have to do what you love. And I'm, I, I, I also sort yeah. of feel like this, I was at the, an age where I felt ready to take it on. Felt like right. I'd progressed enough artistically mm-hmm. and and done enough writing with the books and everything that I could uh, that I could do it. Yep. Because um, I definitely wasn't ready ten years earlier or even twenty years ago. You know, the, I, it just wouldn't have sure. been. Uh, it would have been too much. Sure. Um, yeah. So I am. Um, I'm. I'm incredibly proud of it. It's definitely the best thing you know most personal thing i've ever done there's no question about it i'm proud of it for many many reasons um i can't believe it's done that's the weird thing that year <laughs> just where it went you know i spent yeah. a year in there and there was times when it was seemed unsurmountable it's there's so much so many threads and i was how am i gonna how am i gonna make this clear and i didn't want it i, I wanted there to be enough mystery i i you know, sometimes when you write stuff, there's a there's a sort of tendency for people to want the answer straight away. But I'm like, no, right. I want to. I I knew. Uh, I mean, the end of the book is in the, right at the beginning, and you don't know that till you get to the final right. issue. Um, but people were like, "How are you going to stick the ending?" You know, and I, it's like, "Well, I already have. You just don't know it yet." You're right. <laughs> did you read the? Did you read issue one? Yeah, I, you know, like like I said, you know, you you wanted people to leave it on their nightstand for a month at a time, and we did that. So yeah, so but uh, listen, I mean, this has been an absolute uh, pleasure hanging out with you for a little bit. Uh, it's it's crazy how we, all three of us at one time have lived or live in Contra Costa yeah. County. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, a, a there's there's we were conduits there somehow, right? We left a yeah. part of ourselves there. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's it's so crazy, but. You know, really appreciate uh, the work you've done over your career. That this one, we, you know, obviously this one jumped out to us, and and obviously being through image, creator controlled is why we sort of focused in in on this show. As as you know, if you've seen any of our other episodes, you know, we talk to folks that are trying to get their stuff in print or Kickstarter. They're doing everything they can, spending every last dime to go to a con and mm. give their stuff away to try to get there. And and I know you've you know you've you've been in that seat as most creators have. So. Um, really appreciate you coming on and sharing, um, you know, just everything that you have with us. It's, it's been a, it's been a really great uh, time with you. Uh, cheers, Paul. And thanks again, Ben, as well. It's, uh, yeah. I, I've enjoyed it. It's gone too fast. I feel like, yeah. I know, feel like we're I just getting okay. going. I, and, well, I mean, I, you, you get book two going and we'll have you on again. I mean, it's just, All right. we, we'll, we'll never well, run we got out the of one shot coming up, Paul. We'll get him on at the end of the year. Heck yeah, right? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Well, everybody, that was just a fantastic interview with uh, Liam Sharp. It's always a special occasion for us to have such an accomplished creator on the show. Uh, we really enjoy the opportunity to bring something different, and Liam's work is definitely that. It's it's top shelf for sure. And we love to keep bringing you this kind of content, so please don't forget to click the like and subscribe button below. Thanks for watching and listening, whether you're tuning in on YouTube or on our podcast. We look forward to seeing you guys on the next one. And remember, look out for the little guy.